Welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast, presented by the News Press and Naples Daily News. We'll get you ready for the top high school football games in Lee and Collier counties each week with our analysis and predictions. Here are your hosts, the News Press's Adam Regan and the Naples Daily News' Adam Fisher. Hey everybody and welcome to Inside Southwest Florida Football. I'm Adam Regan of the News Press and I'm joined as always by the Naples Daily News' Adam Fisher. Adam, how are you, man? I am so good. It is week five. We are approaching the midpoint. And we're on our sixth episode. We're on our sixth episode. That's true. We did we did one before, but is the, we are fast approaching the best time of year. we got a few more weeks when meaningful football is being played. It's also October. you got playoff baseball. The NBA is back. So this is a fantastic time to be alive for a sports fan. The cream is rising to the top in Southwest Florida football. And first, we're going to talk about a Monday game that was postponed from Friday due to weather. And it was a big one, district opener, Immokalee Dunbar. Dunbar wins it in overtime. We'll start with Immokalee. Well, first off, it was a good game. It was 27-24. to 24. Dunbar wins in overtime. And the news press's Seth Safian, who covered it, said, you know, it was the best team, best game he's ever seen against 0-4 teams. That's kind of what we expected. Every time Immokalee-Dunbar get together, it's going to be good. It's going to be close. What I took away, honestly, is it was a good game, but that just means these teams are both mediocre. You know what I mean? Like, if Dunbar came out and put a hurting on Immokalee, I'd be like, okay, Dunbar's better than we thought. If Immokalee had stomped Dunbar, I'd think, okay, well, hey, Immokalee's got something. Instead, they both just kind of are meh. To be yeah, fa- I said To it. be fair, one of these teams went from district favorite, and then the other one went to panic mode. Like, sure, legit sure. panic mode. I mean, Immokalee, what are they going to have to do to make the playoffs now? I know they're still in the district race, but they're going to have to get some help from the Cypress Lakes and Mariners of the world. Well, and that's what we talked about before. You don't need to panic because in the bigger classes, if you win your district, you still make the uh, the playoffs. So win a district championship, which Dunbar and Immokalee we thought could have done. Immokalee's own one in the district. That's a six-team district, so you're going to play five district games. However, we've talked all, all, all uh, season how we like Cypress Lake. We like Mariner. Those teams are up and coming. So they're going to re- have to rely on one of those teams to knock off Dunbar or a Laley and Clewiston upset somewhere along the line? You know, it, maybe against Dunbar. Because as I said, I don't think Dunbar is as great as we expected. So, um, But Laley and Clewiston aren't great either. You get the point. You, you need someone to knock off Dunbar. It's still possible, and that's probably Immokalee's only road to make the playoffs. A little more, less than two weeks from now, Cypress Lake Immokalee. Mm. Interesting game. Interesting game. I will say this about Dunbar. They showed a lot of moxie. The previous couple of weeks, the only thing they could score off of were Seneca Millage big plays. They had Dwayne Simon at quarterback, and then they put Jadarius McKnight at running back. He's an FSU right. commit, more known for his work at safety, but a lot of people were saying Jadarius McKnight is the best running back on the team, and they gave him some carries, and they were able to move the ball and sustain some drives, which they weren't able to do the previous couple of weeks. So I think you saw a lot of good from Dunbar with Immokalee. I was impressed how R.J. Rosales was able to rally the troops to get them back in the game and get the game to overtime. They were down 21-12 to late, and he led a touchdown drive, and then they set up a field goal. I don't think Immokalee is dead in the water. I don't think it's time to really, really hit that panic button, but it's going to be tough when they go 
0-5 to well, start the season. I was going to say, we, <laughs> we'll talk about it a little later, but they got to go into Naples on four days rest, less than four days because that game ended so late on Monday because of yet another weather delay. So it's going to be very, very tough for Immokalee to get a win this week, but we'll discuss that later. So we're going to stay in Class 5A, District 12. Cypress Lake held off Mariner in a game of up-and-coming teams, and this was 44-34, to and Cypress Lake was able to Close the door on Mariner, who just seemed like they wouldn't deny be denied in that game, but they were able to really close them down at the end. Rashawn Hunter for Mariner had three touchdowns. He's got 13 on the season. And a big game from running back Chris Joseph of yeah. Cypress Lake. 174 yards, three touchdowns, I believe. I think it was four touchdowns. Four touchdowns. I, yeah. I, I was trying to short Chris Joseph yeah. a touchdown. I like this Cypress Lake team. Right. I have since the beginning of the season. They got routed by Riverdale in that preseason game, 43-0, but they have bounced back in this game and showed that they can compete, especially against their rival Fort Myers a couple weeks ago. So Cypress, I mean, they're, I think that they're in the mix for a district championship. That, that Immokalee game, like I said, in two weeks should be interesting. And I, and I definitely ag- agree. I was impressed a few weeks ago the way Cypress Lake kind of hung on, stuck around against Fort Myers, even though they ended up losing by, I think, three touchdowns. They really showed some some poise. Here against Mariner, it was kind of the opposite. They, they had to fight off Mariner, and that's always tough to do. It's always tough to close those games especially against uh, evenly matched teams, which I think these guys are. It was tied 7-7 after the first quarter. Cypress Lake goes up. They score 21 points in the third quarter, and then Mariner kind of closed it late. But the Panthers held on, and, and I agree, man. They are – I don't want to – I didn't want to say a favorite in that district, but they're a team that I'm looking at that definitely has a real possibility of winning that district. With Mariner, there are four spots up for grabs for at-large bids in that region. I think Mariner's got a shot at one of them. I think I think they can beat Laley. I think they can beat Clewiston. I think they'll be in a game against Dunbar and Amakley, you know, who, who knows. I think they can win some games and then we'll talk about it in the in the next segment. They got a chance to knock off a playoff team in Baron Collier who's a 6-8 team. So I think Mariner they're in the mix. It is and We'll talk uh, playoffs later when, when the uh, first FHSAA playoff standings come out in a couple of weeks. But that's a pretty tough region. You got some Bradenton schools, got a lot of Tampa schools. You got you know Jefferson, Jesuit teams like that. So uh, might be tough to do, but definitely not. I've impossible. done all the math already. I've, all right. did, I've all done right. all the math already. Hit me up before the FHSAA uh, playoffs. I've, I've done all the math all, all across the state. I have no life. Anyways, we're going to talk about Cape Coral being four and zero, knocking off Port Charlotte. Mm. On the road, none of us thought they could do it. No, this was my biggest surprise of the week. I had to do a double take to make sure I was looking at the score right. Um, I honestly didn't know if it was going to be close because Port Charlotte has played so well this season, especially at home. And Cape Coral, we weren't really sure if they were for real, but obviously they definitely are now. This district is crazy every single year. Last year, it was Port Charlotte and Charlotte and North. They were having these crazy games against each other. Charlotte was left out in the cold with the, in the playoff race. North was uh, special teams, was on a roll. Now Cape is in the mix. Now they held off a hard-charging Port Charlotte team who scored 22 unanswered against them. Wow. And they were able to pull it out. They were up 24-7 to at one point. I don't know what happened. But a win is a win, especially at Port Charlotte. Well, these are that's it's so huge because you would have thought in this district you have to kind of make your hay against the the teams you're expected to beat. They still got games against Baker and Island Coast, and you got to assume those are going to be victories. So that puts you at three wins in the district, and who knows what can happen when so many other teams are so close? As you mentioned, North, Cape Coral, Charlotte. 
Port Charlotte, the four teams I expect to be vying for that district championship. And now we're going to move and talk a little Collier County football. Golden Gate is 4-0, but, man, they had to work for it against Fort Meade overtime, baby. They did, and, again, I'm very surprised when I saw this score. You know, after a Friday night, I can't really pay attention too much to what's going on at the games I'm not at. And Ta- so I, you have We have tunnel vision at our own games. That's true. So I, I get uh, I get done. I, I, I start looking up scores and everything. 15-22 um, to 22 against – is that right? 22-15, uh, yep. Yeah. However, they we knew they were without their quarterbacks, Golden Gate was. Jay Harrard, Ryan Magel injured. They expected Magel might be ready for this one. Um, I don't know if they held him out just as a precaution because they did hold Javinsley Bazil out as a precaution. The week before, he ran 49 times. Maybe he's still resting from that. Um, but Fort Meade, a 1A team coming to Golden Gate. I don't want to say they took him lightly, but as I said, they were resting people anticipating a victory and it got a little hairy got a little tougher for them but they pulled it out and that's what you you, you need to do that's what good teams do yeah that's what good teams do i haven't heard as of yet if uh Brazil will be playing this week another team that you probably don't need him against the golden gate plays a winless and scoreless east lee team so may not need him again no i i think that this is this is a move where you have to keep him out east lee i saw them on Monday against Riverdale, and yeah, they they look lost. I don't think Golden Gate's going to need a heck of a lot of talent to beat them. Unless he's actually injured and he's resting an injury, if it's just pure rest, I don't think you should because do you want a kid not playing a football game for three straight weeks? Actually, four because they got a – well, no, they got Baron Collier after that. So that's a big game. Maybe they want him 100%, but I don't know. Let him run a few carries in the first quarter, second quarter, and then fair, set him out. fair. Now you have Baron Collier, 3-1 and one on the season. They're one of the teams really to watch in Collier County. Yeah, I was impressed with them. They beat uh, St. Petersburg Lakewood at home, a game where they got up big, and then Lakewood kind of came back in the second half, got within 10 points. But not, and not they were the driving. way teams had come back in them early, right. early on. They were able to really suck it up yeah. and really close the door on well, them. Well, their, their defense had, I think, four six turnovers, and Mark Jackson wasn't real happy at the end. Um you know, his first guttural reaction was it was an ugly win just because, again, <laughs> they almost let a team come back, but this time they locked it down. Lakewood never got closer than 10 points. What impressed me about Baron Collier is they got it done through the air. A week after rushing for 400 yards right. against Immokalee, I think Lakewood kind of loaded up the box and just forgot about uh, Baron Collier quarterback Jason Grimes because he had two long touchdown passes in the first half and, and looked really good. And then we've got an undefeated St. John Newman, and they had to work for it. And you always have to work for it against Moorhaven. They were the beneficiary of a botched snap by Moorhaven, and, you know, they ended up coming away with a victory. Jensen Jones, big game, big touchdown. It was overtime, right, in that game? The thing to know about Jensen Jones is he's back at quarterback for Newman. You know, we talked in the preseason. How he was going to play receiver. They wanted him at receiver. They wanted him at running back. They wanted him at linebacker. They wanted him at everything. What? How- so, okay, what prompted that? It was an injury. There was an injury to a St. John Newman starter, Kyler Howard. Um, um, Coach Damon Jones didn't think that their backup quarterback was ready to go, so they put Jensen in. And honestly, this makes him very one-dimensional, but I think it makes him a better team. I mean, Jensen Jones is so much better than most two-way athletes you're going to see. Last year, he threw for 1,200 yards, ran for 1,600. He was he was a complete monster. And it, it puts a lot on Jensen's back, and if he gets hurt, they're screwed. But I think it makes him a more dangerous team. With Jensen Jones, what is his recruiting status? I mean, I— he was a guy that, when we were doing the Big 15, I thought could have snuck in there. 
What are his prospects? His dad was telling me there's a lower D1. I think maybe Fordham, something like that, um, he's worked out for. So he's getting kind of looks like that. You know, he's still just a a kid at a small, very small two-way school, which coaches, you know, tend to look past. And we were talking about him at running back. I think he might be a great linebacker because you don't need the, the explosiveness and the speed as much as you would at a skill position. He's a very good linebacker as well. Is he a kid that could end up at a, like a Cornell or a Brown or something like that? Possibly. I don't know his grades. Um, his dad went to Dartmouth. But yeah, usually we'll see schools like that offer kind of legacy kids like that. There's um, no shame in going to Fordham, though. Fordham is a really good yeah. school. A couple of friends of mine went there. One of them got his MBA from there. So That's cool. I don't even know where Fordham is, so I have no New connection with City, baby. Oh, ain't, ain't nothing wrong with that. No, it's a, nightlife is nice there, I hear. And when we come back, Adam and I are going to break down an interesting slate of Week 5 games. So... Join us on the flip side. Keep up with the action every week by following our live Friday night scoreboard at NaplesNews.com, News-Press.com, and by downloading the Naples Daily News and the News Press apps onto your mobile devices. Right now, we're going to take you inside some of these Week 5 games. We are highly anticipating some great, great matchups. we got Bishop Rowe going out to LaBelle. Yeah, we don't want to, let's not forget about Hendry County on that's this right. show. Well, this is, this is a big one. Bishop Rowe coming off a big win. LaBelle, are they still undefeated? Is that correct? They, they are 4-0. They beat Oasis, I believe it was 34-33. Yeah, yeah, I said it was, that was going to be a coin flip game, and that's probably exactly the definition was, yeah. of a coin flip game. This is a pretty interesting rivalry usually these two teams aren't good at the same time but it's a rivalry game this is an interesting game because Vero blows out first Baptist County yeah. you you hit that one right on the on the head last week they score 59 points against uh first Baptist Academy and it's the most they've scored since Josh Vogelbach was the quarterback wow. at Vero in 2002 and he now he is the head coach we've talked about first Baptist so that they are a small two-way school They've not been shy about stepping up in class. They played Baker. They played Tarpon Springs. They played the Lakeland Christian. That 59 to 14 loss to Bishop Vero was their biggest loss since 2010, when it was just their second year as an entire program. So Vero came in and did some things, and we'll make predictions later. But that's why I think it's going to be very tough for LaBelle because Vero's got a kid in uh, Terry Lindsay who he where did he play last year? He played at North Fort Myers. So he's he's a legit 6A talent. The last two weeks since he's come back from injury. I mean, Bishop Vero, their offense has just been multiplied the points they were scoring. They, they do have a very good quarterback in Jacob Azizi who has been finding his guys. But you add the dimension of a Terry Lindsay, that type of talent, who's got a bunch of D1 offers. And this offense, I mean, I envy Joshua Vogelbach. I mean, I don't think you can do any better than some of the guys he has on this team for a 4A team. With LaBelle, they, they do beat o, uh, undefeated Oasis team. They've got talent all over the place, too. This is the most talent, I believe, uh, Chris Siner has had at LaBelle. They've got a kid, in Enrique Hernandez, who I knew from basketball season. This kid's a great basketball player. But apparently he's proven it on the football team. He had the game-winning punt return for a touchdown, and then he seals the deal at the end of the game against Oasis with an interception, and I believe he also ran for a touchdown, too. So this kid is pretty good. Bryce Hall, the quarterback, is another sneaky good player one well, a kid I've, I've been impressed with Maynard Blackman is a running back with 521 yards seven touchdowns in what four games so you're right they got talent it's probably the most talent I've seen them have in a long time it's it's been a while it's been a while 
now we're going to move to Collier County, and we have an interesting game, a game everybody's been waiting for for two years now. That's right, two years. Immokalee at Naples, I don't really think the records really mean a whole lot here. We talked about how Immokalee is 0-4 in the season and staring 0-5 straight in the face. I think that there's motivation on Immokalee's side, not only because they're looking for their first win of the season, but because they didn't play last year. And I talked to Bill Kramer, which will air later in the podcast, and he'll explain why they didn't play. But what are your immediate thoughts on this game? What hits you right away? My my immediate thoughts are what you said. It's very cliche to say. You hear it all the time, but the records truly don't count in this. And it always seems like the team that's favored – is the team that loses. It goes all the way back to 2001. Naples won the first state championship in Southwest Florida history. They lost to Immokalee that season. Three seasons later, 2004, Immokalee wins the second state championship in Southwest Florida history. Immokalee lost to Naples that season. 2012, Immokalee was loaded with uh, three guys are in the NFL now. They went to the state finals that year. They lost to Naples. So the team, it, it doesn't really matter. Immokalee is the only team in Collier County that has Naples' number. They're the only team that has beaten Naples in the past eight years. Go all the way back to 2001 when Naples won its, its first state championship. Naples is 10 and 6 against Immokalee. They're 75 and 2 against the rest of Whoa. Collier County. The only other team that's beaten them is Laley, and the last time that happened was 2009. That's good stats, that guy. Great stats. Great stats. That being said, Immokalee comes in, and here's the toughest opponent. If they had maybe a bye week to prepare for this, I, I think it might be closer. If it was just a regular seven days of rest, they played on a Monday night. It's going to be hard, man. And they're going into Naples. I completely disagree with you on this one. I think them playing on Monday night helps them. In my experience in covering games, I, I do it a lot because yep. of the weather here. Teams that play on Monday, they don't, they don't have a whole lot of time to think about their Friday opponent. They're just, they just go out there and play. They've already played. I don't think it's that big of a disadvantage. But I wonder how, how that works in Immokalee because they don't have any depth. They have less than 40 players on that roster. If one kid's banged up, that throws the whole rotation off, and and who knows? They, they played a physical game against Dunbar. I don't know, man. It, it was going to be tough anyways. Immokalee coming in at 0-4 at Naples. I mean, Ches Malusi's just running over people. He's just, he's just trucking fools. 100% on that one. With, with Immokalee, I think they have a little bit of momentum. Yes, they lost in overtime to Dunbar. That, that that doesn't sound right, but like I said, RJ Rosales led them to led them to a tie game, led them to overtime. I think there is a little momentum behind that. And then you have obviously the hard feelings about not playing last year. The game's a rivalry game anyway. I think they I've got they've got plenty of momentum. I just I don't know how it's going to go at Naples. If it was at Immokalee, right. I might think differently. You know, I looked up, and again, I don't want to go too long in this game, but the last time they played, 2016, I looked up the the game story, and I forgot that it was when they had a kid named uh, Nate Betancourt, a quarterback, and they never threw the ball. Immokalee, before RJ, didn't throw the ball a whole lot. They came out, this Betancourt kid threw five touchdown passes in the first half. What was the score of that game? The I final remember, score I remember was 60-42. to 42. At halftime, it was 40-34. to 34. Right, right. It was bananas. So Immokalee's always got something for Naples. If they can just crowd the box and have your best athletes uh, – drag down Ches Malusi every time because Naples has only completed eight passes all season so they're not going to throw it much if you stop Ches Malusi you stop Naples and we're going to go to another rivalry game up in Lee County this is a very old rivalry 1935 my goodness Charlotte at Fort Myers Fort Myers has the advantage in this series I believe it's they're 43 22 and one against Charlotte but Charlotte has won three of the last four I believe in this one, Fort Myers won it last year. This is the game for Fort Myers. I mean, 
this is going to be a playoff preview. I mean, you you might see say. you might see these two teams tangle again in the same in the, same in the region there in six A. Fort Myers has just been nothing short of impressive. They beat South Fort Myers twenty eight to fourteen last week, but I don't think that game was ever in question. Willie Neal is just having an incredible season at quarterback. He's their leading rusher. Obviously, he's their leading passer. You never know what you never know what he's going to do. Is he going to pull it down and run with it, or is he going to find Milan Tucker, who's having a fabulous season? I thought. I mean, I've always thought of Milan as like this lockdown corner, which he is. But now he's he he's breaking out the one-handed catches and the end zone. He's he's turning into a top-flight receiver. I mean, I don't know what they're going to do with him in Appalachian State. Are they going to? put him on defense they're going to put him on offense he's having an incredible season but they're going up against a charlotte team that can score as well they got a very big offensive line adam any thoughts on a, a lee county game here a well, old-time rivalry I'm, I'm very intrigued by it as you said uh, two teams and, and fort myers you know they they want to be for real this year i mean they've always been for real they made the playoffs the past three four years whatever it is um but this is a legit team, Charlotte, a team that also has its own um, aspirations of winning a regional championship, not just a district championship. Uh, Fort Myers, 4-0. They've played some decent teams, some not-so-decent teams, but they've been in control every game that they've um, they've played. It'll be curious to see what happens if, you know, Charlotte gets up first. If that big running attack, you know, they get the ball first, they march down the field, and, and they go up. I don't know if Fort Myers has trailed at all this season. They have not, and, they're at, and Fort Myers is averaging 400 yards of offense a game. Mm. I mean, it's it's pretty incredible, and Charlotte's almost right there too. But they, their running game obviously is their strength. It should be an interesting thing about whether they can move the chains against Fort Myers' youngish defense. Another note about this game, though, which gives me a little bit of pause: Marcus Finger, their offensive line, big time offensive lineman. He's committed to UCF. He was in our Big Fifteen, suspended. Oh, for this really? Game. Threw a punch at a South Fort Myers player's Can't thigh. Can't do that. Oh, definitely don't what, do that. Was it was ejected? He's gonna have to sit this game out. Horrible timing. How big now? Usually punches are, are six games. I mean, or, or, or I, more than one. I should. say. I heard it was a little. There was a little in the second half. There was a little bit of a fracas, mm-hmm. if that's the word. Uh, a brouhaha. Not nothing serious, but apparently we we saw the referees report from the FHSA, and it says he threw a punch at his South Fort Myers player's thigh. But but do you know if it's a multiple-game suspension? Or? We, it's a one-game suspension. Oh, okay, okay. So so it's it's a little bad timing. They'll get Marcus Finger back, but, I mean, this wasn't the one that Marcus really wanted to miss. So keep that in mind. The next two games, we have Lee versus Collier. That's right. We'll start with Palmetto Ridge at South Fort Myers. Two teams trying to get their footing. Palmetto Ridge, they scored 46 points against yep. Estero last week to get a victory, and South is still struggling. Uh, they lost to Fort Myers. There's no shame in that. But it's a young team with a lot of kids in young kids in key positions. Yeah, man, Palmetto Ridge. They got a, a, a victory last week. And let's talk about your boy, uh, Colby Singletary. He's playing quarterback. He is he's, my boy. He's taking snaps at the, in the Wildcat. Wildcat, he, he's, baby. He's a big dude. Like I said, he's a state champion in wrestling, so you know he's physical as all heck. He's about 6'3", over 200 pounds, I'm sure. But just give him the ball, let him truck people. He, he ran for a 50-yard touchdown. He, he pounced one in uh, in the goal line situation as well. So the, a new wrinkle to the uh, Bears offense. I do have a little bit of criticism for Colby. I covered the wrestling state championships up in Kissimmee, and I talked to Colby after he won his state championship. Come on, man. Be a little more excited, dude. He's a by-the-book kid. He, uh, 
I've talked to him after football games, not, not after winning a state championship, but uh, he'll just tell well, you what you need to know and not get too up, well, too down. I've covered a lot of wrestling state championships, though, and you see these kids finish off a season with a state championship and jump into their coach's arms and, and go all nuts. This kid was like, dude, I expected this. Yeah, he's ready for the next I, one, too. That's yeah, he's ready to win another one. But, yeah, Colby, definitely my boy. We're going to talk about Mariner at Baron Collier now. I think this is an interesting matchup. We talked a little bit about Baron Collier and what they've been doing, and I don't think we've stopped talking about Rashawn Hunter and right. Mariner and how much of a surprise they've been. Immediate thoughts on this game. How does this how does this game at Baron Collier hit you? I got to give the advantage to Baron Collier just because they did look pretty good last week. I don't think that St. Petersburg Lakewood team was as good as expected, but they did have some athletes. Um, They broke some long runs, but Baron always buckled down, and that kind of makes me think about Rashawn Hunter back there, you know, taking snaps that um, they can slow him down. Uh, The defense looks pretty good, and the offense, again, they showed me that they can throw the ball, they can run the ball. So I think the Cougars probably have the edge, but it, it should be a good one. I think the Cougars definitely have the edge in this one. I think that they're they're pretty close to a 50-50 team at this point in terms of run and pass, would you say? Yes, especially after last week. Grimes is the quarterback there. Yes. They could probably set up the run with the pass, where it's usually the other way around where you set up the pass with the run. If they decide to throw it and sling it on first down a little bit, and Mark, with Mark Jackson, I wouldn't be surprised. Right. I think they could catch these Mariner guys off guard, and they could probably go up 14-0 early. I agree, and we could be looking at Mariner uh, losing 2-0. and Could be could be crazy after their really good start. So, all right, guys, that'll do it for our Week 5 talk. When we come back, Mr. Adam Regan came all the way down to Naples High School. He's going to talk to Naples High School football coach Bill Kramer about this big game coming up against Immokalee. Have your say on which high school football matchup should be the game of the week. The News Press and Naples Daily News staffs We'll select three games in each county, and your votes on news-press.com, naplesdailynews.com, or the mobile apps will determine which is the game of the week. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Inside Southwest Florida Football. I'm Adam Regan of the News Press. I had the pleasure of heading down to Naples High School earlier this week to talk to Naples coach Bill Kramer and... I got some great responses from him. He was very honest about this rivalry between Naples and Immokalee. It's a big game. It's the biggest game in Collier County. I think it's the biggest game in Southwest Florida. Let's hear about what Coach Kramer had to say about this game. And this week, I'm pleased to have on the show Naples head coach, Bill Kramer. Bill, how are you? I'm great. I appreciate you having me on here and uh, what you guys are doing between the news press and the Naples Daily News for high school football. We appreciate it. It's Immokalee Week. I think this is Collier County's one of their biggest rivalries, and everybody's been looking forward to this game despite the records of both programs. But first, Bill, where is this Naples team at this point in the season after three games? Well, hopefully we're getting a rhythm. We uh, lost to Miami Palmetto, very disappointing. Uh, we didn't play well. I don't think we played well in, in our Classic or in the first week uh, against Edison either, but I think we played better against Miami Palmetto. And then um, we finally kind of hit our stride, really with the first full work week was last week. We didn't right. get called off the field at all. I think that helped tremendously. Certainly that's no excuse for previous weeks. I think it helped tremendously. And then coming out against Gulf Coast, our guys put, were very fast and physical and very focused for the entire game. And even the guys when the backups get in, they played 
exceedingly hard. So I'm really proud of that effort. I also told the guys we had our, our first good practice last Wednesday, where start to finish it was highly competitive and laser focus, and we had a good one again yesterday. And I'm looking forward to improving us a little bit each day as we go forward. And Bill, I know you get asked this all the time this time of the year when Immokalee comes to town, but how much does this rivalry really mean to this program, two state championship winning programs? Actually, when I first came, I had no idea that it was as intense rivalry as it is. I have tremendous affection for Immokalee. It reminds me of the town I grew up in. Having said that, especially on game night, those guys hate us, and, and this is something that they got to burr under their saddle. Those guys have always played us exceedingly hard. When you add to the mix, since I've been here now 21 years, that both of us have won state championships. I'm guessing that if you looked at our playoff records, they're probably the two best in Southwest Florida. It's a guess. All that adds to the mix. And so it's bragging rights locally, but it's also very personal, especially for them. Now, once I figured that out, I think that we've done a lot better job in preparing and matching the intensity on game night that they're going to bring. So like you said, the records are relevant. It doesn't matter how many games they've won or we've won. We know they're going to bring their very best and play with a sense of urgency and desperation. <clears throat> and it's really incumbent upon on us to match that sense of, in, of desperation and that intensity. The game was canceled last year. If everybody remembers, Hurricane Irma canceled it, and it wasn't able to be rescheduled. Everybody has their own version of why it didn't get rescheduled. Why didn't this game get played last year? Because I think it's added some fuel to the fire of this year's game. Yeah, it's pretty simple. Rodland called me and said, very simple. He said, hey, coach, you want to play Tuesday? I think it was that next Tuesday. And I said, that's not going to happen. We're not playing you on a Tuesday. We already had a bye week. It's a non-district game, and there's no way that I was going to put in jeopardy preparing for a game that mattered to play that game. I've had to do it in the past. Like they had to play last night against Dunbar because it was a district game. And if it were a district game, then we would, let's go giddy up. A win would have hurt us. It doesn't matter. Just having to do that, go through that process, put yourself that far behind, doesn't matter. It's a non-district game. We're not going to play two games in a week. You were at the Dunbar game last night. What did you see from an Immokalee team that hasn't won a game yet this year, but actually acquitted themselves pretty well against a very talented Dunbar team. How do you know I was at that game last night? Or are you just guessing? I know someone who saw you there. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was at the game last night. Got out of practice as quick as I could and went up. You know, Mockley came out and fought, and especially in the second half, I thought their effort was really, really good in the second half. I think this makes them dangerous, quite honestly. They got nothing to lose. They're back against the wall. If anybody can get them fired up and foaming at the mouth, it's Rodlin. He's that kind of motivator. I know that he'll have them ready to go when we kick off Friday night. What do you need to do to be successful against such a good quarterback like RJ Rosales, yeah. who you haven't seen in two years? No, I've admired him, though. I've watched him play. I've seen him in film playing other other teams. I uh, got to see him again live Friday, and he's a remarkable quarterback, really good player, and just a terrific young man, too. Great role model for everybody. I'm always rooting for him unless we're playing him. You got to try to contain it as much as possible and keep him inside the margins as much as possible. When he really hurts you is when the play breaks down and he creates I and mean, is way outside the margins and does stuff that's really spectacular. So we're going to have to do the, the best we can of kind of containing that, playing it under control. And also, can't get mental or get down about the fact when he does something that, that is a highlight because it's going to happen. Another guy I want to talk about, Ches Malusi. He's been a pretty special player for you for a couple of years. And Ches, when we've seen him, he said that he wants to be the best running back in Naples high history, which we all know the bar is set so high with some of the guys you have had. 
How does he compare or can you compare him to some of those guys that you've had in the past who are having you know, pretty good careers right now? Whether it's Dwayne Coleman or Javon Pugh, Carlos Hyde, Manny Morgan, Danny Dumford, I mean, the list goes on and on. You know, Greg Pratt of dudes that are dudes, Jamel Eugene, tremendous football players and running backs. You know, Cesare has a unique blend of size. He's the tallest back I've coached. And he's got the burst, tremendous balance, and great vision. He's really strong, and so he's a total package. He's got really good ball skills. He's a good route runner. It's hard to compare him. Those guys I mentioned, what they do beyond just what you see on Friday night, do they make the guys around them better? Does everybody on the field want them to be successful and want to play harder for them and and believe that if they touch the ball, we're going to win? And Cesare does bring that to us. To what extent? We'll find out as the season goes on. You know, he's just 16 years old. He won't be, he's a senior and he won't be 17 until October. He could be a sophomore right now and and still be eligible to play. How God gave him what he gave him is amazing. That's what I will say how he compares to everybody else is to have what he's got in a 16-year-old body is crazy. I've never seen anything like that. And last question for you, Bill. I want to talk to you about that landscape of Collier County, southwest florida football you guys no question have dominated do you feel like the rest of the pack is catching up the the baron colliers of the world the the teams that really haven't been able to challenge you in past years but now they seem to be getting better and better and better i will say this we are fortunate we've won way more than our share and it's not because i'm some kind of guru it's because i've you know got a tremendous staff that has stayed together for a long long time and those guys are really, really good coaches and really, really committed. And their families, their wives, I mean, everybody's all in. So that, that's pretty unique. I will say everybody is working harder, doing more, smarter, better coaches. I will also say it's really hard to, when you're the guy circled on everybody's schedule every year, at least mentally, they circle you. And the coaches put in extra time. And the players are a little more focused, a little more intense. We have to do that every week. Like every week, we know we're going to get the very best. That's how it's been for 15 years. So that's where it's tough. Do I think people are catching up? I suppose so. I see it differently. I see it that they weren't really that far behind to begin with. Year in and year out, we're tested and stressed and taken to the limit many times. I'm grateful that we've had the success we have. I'm grateful that our coaches and our players have bought into doing the work that it takes to to have that kind of success. Well, that's all I have for you, Bill. I appreciate you joining us on the Inside Southwest Florida podcast, and I wish you good luck against a really good Immokalee team. Well, Adam and Adam. Appreciate you guys, and uh, I'm fired up. Naples, Immokalee, wherever it is, here or there, it's always going to be worth uh, your entertainment dollar to be the biggest bang for your buck in Southwest Florida. I guarantee you that. And as Coach Kramer said, this should definitely be a fun game on Friday night. It always is. And don't forget to go to NaplesNews.com for photo gallery and highlights. Adam Fisher will be at the game. Should be an interesting one. We'll be right back. After the games each week, go to NaplesNews.com, News-Press.com, or our apps on your mobile device for photos, videos, and analysis from games throughout Southwest Florida. And welcome back to Inside Southwest Florida Football, and it's Adam and I's favorite segment every week although he might enjoy the pick segment a little bit more this week. But we take your questions from Twitter, and I'm at NP Adam Regan. And I am at NDN underscore Adam. 
So hit us up next week, the week after, if you want a shout-out, you want a question answered. But we got a couple good ones this week. First one is from Ryan K., and that's at Detroit underscore Ryan's on Twitter. Would Fort Myers have any shot to beat a Tampa or Miami area team in the playoffs? Can I field this one? Sure. Tampa area teams, definitely. You're going to see Clearwater and Largo in those, in those region playoffs, and I think Fort Myers can definitely take down those to- those teams we always talk about the Tampa teams in that region, how they're kind of the paper tigers. So no problems there. Well, it's funny because I took this kind of a different way. I was going to say I'll answer your question by not answering it because Tampa teams, no. St. Petersburg teams, yes. Oh, so well, oh I wonder, okay, okay. It depends on how Tampa you define area. area. I agree. All right, Maybe yes. if you said Tampa Bay area. Because Pine- Pinellas, Pinellas County, yes. Hillsborough County, no. Right, because you got in that region, and this was who you would see in the playoffs, that that region Fort Myers is in is, you know, the three Southwest Florida districts and then the St. Petersburg one, and um, you've got, what's the name? It's not Lakewood. Was it Largo? Largo. Largo is the team that Baron Collier should have beaten last year in the playoffs at Largo. Then Largo comes down and got just smacked around by Naples. So that district is not good. Miami area, absolutely not. Definitely Um, not, because I'm going to tell you what team they're going to be playing. Tell me. Naples... Charlotte, whoever wins that region, I'm going to tell you they're going to be playing Carroll City. It's, it's Carroll City. It's going, it's going to happen. Actually, uh, Miami Central is very good this year, right. but I think Carroll City is a top 25 team in the country. And that's who you'd see in the semifinals if you win the region. you got Carroll City, who's ranked number one in 6A, and then Miami Central, who's ranked number two at 6A. Also in that region, Miami Northwestern, Northwestern who won the state title and last then, year. And you got the upstart Miami Norland team. I don't know how they're doing this year, but – all four of those teams are going to make the playoffs, right? Yeah. I, it's just they play great schedules. They got great athletes. Fort Myers, I don't, I don't think they have a shot. I don't think so either. So we have another question from my buddy Cordell Battle. I've, I've been waiting for Cordell to ask a question. He has that east east zone, the Riverdale, East Lee, Lehigh. He he's the expert there, mm-hmm. and he has a question about Riverdale. How far can Riverdale go without the threat of a passing game? And I'm going to tell you, Cordell, what they're going to do is they're going to go undefeated in the regular season. Mm. They're going to win a district championship. Whoa. And then if they don't play either Braden River or Venice in the first round, they'll win a playoff game. I agree that they can and should do all of those things. And that's a very tough region because, as you said, you got what Venice and Braden, um, River. Braden River. If you're going to lose those games, I don't think it's because your lack of a passing game. I looked up last year. Naples went to the uh, semifinals, won a regional championship. Naples, a team that doesn't throw it a lot. Naples High School last year only completed 8.6 passes per game. 50 yards a game is all they had in passing. As good as Riverdale is at the rushing game, they're running for over 300 yards a game. As many weapons as they have and as big as they are up front, the, the lack of passing is not going to hinder them. What's going to hinder them is the incredible teams they, they would have to match up with in the playoffs. And those teams will be passing. Yes. No question, Braden River, Venice will be passing. I do want to say this about Riverdale's schedule. The games they have coming up, obviously they have Ida Baker this week. And then they'll play Gulf Coast and South Fort Myers, two teams that I think that they'll beat. Then they got a couple interesting games to end the season. I don't know if Golden Gate will still be undefeated. Probably not. You'll have – Two single-wing teams going at it there. And then the Battle of the Bell at the end of the season. Lehigh, pretty good team this year. Riverdale beat them last year. That's a tough rivalry game. But I think the way Riverdale is playing this season, they will go undefeated in the regular season. Well, that'll do it for our question segment. 
And when we come back, I think Adam Fisher's going to talk a little bit of trash. He's got a good lead on me, but season's not over yet. So join us in a few. For the most in-depth analysis of high school football in Lee and Collier County each week, go to naplesnews.com and news-press.com. Follow us on Instagram at newspresssports and NDN Prep Zone. On Twitter, NPHS Sports and NDN underscore Prep Zone, or download our apps. We are back, and it's prediction time. Time to make some calls, and before we do that, I want to take everyone back to a time three weeks ago, a simpler time, and the past three weeks, I'm 25 and 5. Mr. Adam Regan, the model of, what do you say, model of mediocrity, has yes. gone 6 and 4 the past two weeks picking games. I am 28 and 12 with a five-game lead over Adam Regan, who is 23 and 17. Adam, what do you have to say for yourself? Adam Fisher, at the moment, is better than me Ooh. at picking games. I th- the you have a huge head over there, a huge ego going. <laughs> Do you want me to call you Nostradamus for the rest of the season? Not yet. We'll see how this week goes because there are some tough ones, and I, I think we're going to differ on a few, so I think you've got a chance. We're going we're gonna to have to differ on a few if I want to catch up to you, to catch man. up. you, you got to gotta go opposite. So let's kick it off. Again, we talked about earlier Bishop Rowe at LaBelle. I think Bishop Rowe just has more talent, especially with Terry Lindsay back. I'm going to take Bishop Rowe on the road. And this is the game that I've been struggling with. When LaBelle is good, that's a tough place to play out there. This is a rivalry game. I'm going to go with LaBelle. Mm. At home, Chris Steiner, don't disappoint me. Next up, Charlotte at Fort Myers, the oldest rivalry in southwest Florida. Fort Myers at home is awful, awful tough to beat, but I think Charlotte coming in, I think they're going to be fired up. I think they got the size to kind of match up with the green wave. I'm going to take Charlotte on the road. A wise man told me, never pick against Fort Myers at home. Adam picked Fort Myers. I was going to take Charlotte, but I feel better about this now. I'm going Fort Myers. Next up, let's see if it's three for three. Mariner at Baron Collier. I told you my thoughts on Baron Collier. I think they are a more balanced team. I'm taking the Cougars, although Coach Mark Jackson would not like to hear that because he has a little chip on his shoulder when we pick against him, and they all do, and it's as much as he pretends to get mad about it, I believe uh, that motivates them. However, sorry, Coach, I am taking Baron Collier at home this time. And I'm going to have to agree on, with you on this one. I like the way Baron Collier's playing. I, I like the way the Grimes kid's throwing the ball. Powell is the running back there. Yep. He's having a good season. Again, it's going to be tough to stop Rashawn Hunter. He's going to get his. It's how you stop everybody else. So I think Baron Collier's going to be able to do that. Give me Baron Collier. All right, next up, Amokley at Naples, and I'm going to give you a chance to pull, pick that upset because I know you think Amokley uh, has some momentum, but on four days rest, man, going to Naples, I can't do it. i got to take the Golden Eagles. Oh, man, I, I've been burned picking Amokley all season. <laughs> this five-game hole I'm in right now has a lot to do with you being ahead of the curve on Amokley early in the season. I just don't think they get it done against Naples. Give me Naples. All right. This one I think might be one of the best as far as closest games. Palmetto Ridge at South Fort Myers. I didn't put much thought into this coming in, but you know what? Like, I kind of feel like South Fort Myers is due. Their offense should be a lot better than it is. Um, But as we've said many a times in this picking segment, I got to go with what teams have showed me last. 
Palmetto Ridge showed me a new wrinkle to their offense that can score some points. Southport Myers still just can't move the ball at all, so I'm going to take Palmetto Ridge on the road. Yeah, I agree. Palmetto Ridge. All right. Golf Coast Atastero has potential to be close. Golf Coast coming off a shutout loss where they didn't score a point. Um, I think Golf Coast has more weapons, even though Astero has shown that they can score some points. I'll take the Sharks. I will take the Sharks, too. Astero showed us a little something last week, but I think Gulf Coast is the better team. And This one I don't anticipate much uh, variance between us. Golden Gate at Eastleigh, even if Golden Gate doesn't have Javinsley Bazil, I mean, Eastleigh, God love them. Um, they're out there doing their best, trying to get better, but they've been outscored 142 to nothing this year. I don't see that changing. I take the Titans. Yeah, it's been a tough year for Eastleigh, and it's only going to get tougher moving forward. This is a rebuilding process for Johnny Brown, as we keep saying on this program. Got beat 72 to nothing by Riverdale last week. Golden Gate, whether they play it, whoever they play it, put out there, Golden Gate. Lehigh at St. Petersburg Lakewood, a team that I saw last week who has some athletes, has some talent, and I believe Lehigh does as well. However, that's a two-hour drive up north. Um, so I will take the home team anytime that you have a big a big um, road trip like that and the, the talent's matched, I kind of favor the home team. I'm going to take Lakewood. Lakewood beat Lehigh last season at Lehigh 21-13. It was a pretty close game. I'm going to go opposite of you on this one. Despite Lehigh not having played for two weeks, they had last week's game against Sebring was a rescheduled game from the beginning of the season. Didn't get played. Who knows if that's going to get played? I don't know. What, I don't know what they're going to do to try to make that game up. But I will take Lehigh. They're they're rested, and I feel, think they still have a little bit of momentum coming off those wins over Dunbar and South. All right. And speaking of Sebring, we've got a Collier County team heading out there. We've got Laley going out to Sebring. Ah, this is a difficult one for me. Not I for think, me. I think Laley has talent, and Sebring's 2-1, and one, but I don't think they're very good. Their only two wins are against two winless teams. Go ahead. Teams. Do it then. Take Laley. Um, well, I was going to, but I feel like maybe you're using reverse psychology on me. So I'll I'm, take, no, I'm telling I'm, you to take Laley. Well, I'm going to take Sebring. Who are you taking? <sighs> I'm taking Sebring out. Oh, come on, man. I gave you all the, all the windows. No, I gave you all the windows. I told you to take Laley. And you did, and well, I guess, you know, until until Laley wins, I can't pick him. Sebring is 2-1. and one, even Sebring though is better me. than you think they are. I don't think they are. I think they're worse than I think they are. Um, that's right. I'm talking trash. Sebring, come at me. Where you at? Riverdale at Ida Baker. No, no quarrel here. Riverdale is just rolling. Baker is still struggling. Riverdale wins big. I think I think that Riverdale is a way better team than Ida Baker. Ida Baker under coach Todd Nichols in his second season. They're just they're building and Riverdale is built. <laughs> so give me Riverdale. That'll do it. And if you want updates on every single one of these games as well as photos, videos, and, and game highlights, come back to news-press.com on Friday night and always go to NaplesNews.com slash prep zone. For the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast, I'm Adam Fisher. And I'm Adam Regan. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Remember, the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast will be available for download every Thursday at noon to get you ready for the coming week's games.